You're listening to Simple Ritz Radio, episode 31, and today's show is why you shouldn't drink water. Wait, what? Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Schurm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered. It's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Schurm. Welcome back to this podcast. I'm your host, Alexa, and as always, I just wanted to remind you that this show is dedicated to simplifying your health, allowing you to live with more purpose, more joy, and ultimately achieve the lasting health you've been looking for. While it seems complex and overwhelming, my passion is to break it down into the simple truth so you no longer have to sort through the confusion. It's time to make the complex simple, and that's what we're going to do in today's episode. One reason I'm so passionate about health is that everyone just makes it so difficult. There's rule after rule, new diet after new diet, and this confusion just grows into this massive plague that hits us like a ton of bricks, and we become paralyzed. Well, it's time, my friend, to let that all go and just learn a new way to health, one that is simple, one that takes the guesswork out of it, and one that really helps you to lessen the obsession with your own health and what you should be eating, and it just comes naturally so that you have more time and more energy to give to the passions that you are so good at and that this world needs. And that is why I'm passionate and want to share this episode with you. It's a little bit different, maybe slightly controversial, but I can promise that if you can let go of everything you've been learned before, you can really start to see that this actually makes sense. In today's show, we're going to look at hydration and why plain water may not be the best way to hydrate the cells, and in fact, could be a culprit in slowing your metabolism. So we'll break it down and we'll talk about the metabolic effects of hydration, why water isn't good for our bodies, and what and how much you should be drinking. Again, it might sound like a greatly controversial show and one that is over the top and unscientific, but I promise it is anything but that and the research is there to back this stuff up. If you just give it time, it will all make complete sense. So let's get right to it. Water, water, water. Too much, too little, what to drink and when, It sounds pretty confusing, right? But staying hydrated doesn't have to be so confusing. You would think it would be an easy subject considering that our body is made up of over 60% water. But there's claim after claim, like water is the source of life and you need to drink more water to get rid of toxins. You need to drink more water to have better skin. You need to drink water to lose weight. If you're hungry, you're actually thirsty. By the time you get thirsty, you're already dehydrated. Taking a shower makes you dehydrated. Breathing makes you dehydrated. If you have clear pee, you're about to die. But drink more water. Drink water all day long because water, 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 water is everything. Now, don't get me wrong, but this isn't our first rodeo with all these claims to be that water is a superpower. Now, I can't argue. Hydration is critical, could be one of the most critical elements to our health coming together with sleep and what we eat, but hydration would be up there at one of the top spots. But here's the deal. There's a difference between hydration and water. 
Yes, our body is made up of a lot of H2O, but the water that we're drinking is no longer the same water that our body so properly utilizes or is not in the right structural form. We're going to get into that later as it sounds a little scientific and over the top, but basically everything we've been taught about water, especially the 8x8 rule, is really unscientific. Here's the reality. Hydration is a critical component of optimal health. It's important for every process in the body. But here's the deal. Your body has well-built, well-regulated thirst mechanisms. In fact, if you look around in nature, we're the only species of animals or plants that has to be told when to drink water, right? Like you don't take your dog to the dog dish and force him to take a drink. If he's thirsty, he'll get water. If he's not, he won't. Yet we believe that we need told when to drink, right? We, we have these recommendations. We have eight, eight ounce glasses of water a day and that's what we must live by. But here's the reality. Everyone is so unique and different that the eight by eight rule could be really detrimental to some people and really necessary for other people. So what we have to go back to is just the basics that your body knows best and when you're thirsty, you should drink. Basically, that's the bottom line right there. Now, I'm going to break it down. I'm going to spell it out for you in this episode. But if you get no further, then it's this. Listen to your body's own thirst mechanisms. And that is the critical component of hydration. If you're thirsty, drink. If you're not, then don't. It's as simple as that. But here's where we could go wrong. Is that there are people out there who are drinking gallons of water a day, but never fully hydrating their body. Yes, you can drink lots and lots of water, but still be dehydrated. And that's really what we want to learn. But first, we're just going to get into what overhydration in general can cause. Because we hear so often about dehydration. Dehydration is pretty common to pick up. Most people know the signs and symptoms to dehydration. Yet overhydration is just as big of a deal, if not a bigger deal. And maybe more so because we don't generally call it overhydration. It just comes out in a lot of different forms. So let's just be clear on one thing. The average American chugs nearly 30 gallons of bottled water every year, making it the second most consumed commercial beverage in the U.S. Most of us want to be like, yes, at least it's better than drinking pop and all this other stuff. But here's the deal. Water in itself is still not considered a life-bearing beverage unless it's the right kind of water. And like we mentioned, dehydration is pretty common, but we could go as far to say that maybe more dangerous than dehydration is just overhydration. So how do you know when you're overly hydrated? A common list of symptoms could be anything from cold extremities, you know, having cold hands and feet or nose often, a lower body temperature, so taking your temperature right away in the morning and measuring the heat at which your body is at rest is a good indicator. Technically, our body temperature is supposed to be 98.6 degrees. If you get down into the 97s, that would be a low body temperature, maybe coming from overhydration and a few other things. Having to urinate frequently, having to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, having headaches, muscle spasms, brain fog or decreased mental clarity, impaired emotion regulation and irritability, insomnia and poor sleep quality, fatigue and dry mouth. Ironically, this is usually most often found in severe cases of overhydration is that dry mouth. So what's happening when you become overhydrated? It's basically the extracellular fluid is becoming too dilute. So the fluid within your bloodstream is just diluted out. 
This signals a stress response in the body, meaning that the hormones, which are designed to deal with acute and immediate stressors, are being activated continuously into this chronic state. And they will continue to be activated the more a person is in a stressed and hypometabolic state, meaning they're overhydrated, which means they'll be in this excessively stressed state. And the more the person continues to perpetrate the problem by drinking more and more water, it becomes a bigger and bigger issue. So here's the reality. You can drink a ton of water, even a gallon a day, but you have to get it into the cells in order to be hydrating. So it becomes a cellular membrane issue. And this has to do not only with what you're drinking, but also what you're eating and eating the wrong fats because every cell in our body is surrounded by fats. And if we don't have the right fat structure or lipid structure around our cells, our cells aren't able to be hydrated as well as they could be. So our goal with health and with metabolism is to help under-functioning cells become well, and that comes from having proper hydration, as well as proper fat intake, as well as good sources of nutrients coming from our food sources, which has all been addressed in other episodes, which I'll link in the show notes. So the question is, how do we hydrate our cells? If this is the biggest issue, underlying hydration is actually getting that fluid not into our bloodstream, but into our cells to be used. For maximum water absorption, the body requires sodium and glucose. So it's not just straight H2O, right? Like if you went to the doctor and they put an IV into your arm and that bag of fluid was filled with just water, it would do nothing great for your body. It wouldn't be hydrating to your body. That's why it's a saline solution consisting of a little bit of sodium and sometimes glucose. And that really becomes a critical component of hydration, of allowing the water, the extracellular fluid to get rushed into the cells, help make them full. So we need adequate glucose and sodium to facilitate the transport of water through the channels and the small intestine and ultimately allowing them to get into our body to be used to hydrate our body. But please be clear on this. I'm not talking that this is the amount of sugar that we would use to fuel our body. This is a very, very small amount of glucose that we would need. Not a pop, not a Gatorade. We're not talking that amount of sugar. We're talking just about a minute amount of glucose, which will help push it into the body. Now, I also want to be clear that there's an extreme difference between men's and women's hydration needs. And this goes across the board, not just for hydration, but for sleep and our eating patterns. Women, we are not small men. We are very, very different from men. And what most researchers know about hydration comes from the studies of men who can vary drastically from women's due to female hormonal cycles. See, a man's hormonal cycles are based on a 24-hour cycle. So day in and day out, they can eat roughly the same amount with the same patterns as well as hydration. However, a female's hormonal patterns are based off a 28-day cycle, which drastically changes from week to week or phase to phase. In particular for women, during the luteal phase between ovulation and the onset of a period, when estrogen and progesterone are high, blood volume, and total body sodium are low. So at this time, a woman's homeostatic threshold and thirst are lowered simply because of this reason. So again, hydration needs are going to be dependent on hormonal flow, which for women is dependent on the phase of their cycle or where they are hormonally as it relates to their chronological age. Likewise, in a high hormonal phase, it is more important to use a solution of sodium, water, and glucose as described. But here's the reality. Again, 
how do we tell all this? That just becomes its own beast in general is trying to regulate thirst based off of our different cycle patterns and where our hormonal levels are. But again, your body has this intricate thirst mechanism and your body is going to simply be more thirsty at certain times of the month and less thirsty at others. So again, it's not eight, eight ounce glasses of water every single day. It really boils down to listening to your own body, which is a very common theme in this podcast, right? It's kind of knowing yourself, having that ultimate self-awareness where you can understand and fully see and know what your body needs and provide that regardless of what everyone else is telling you. Sometimes we just have to step away from that knowledge, like I just did on Instagram for just being envious of that, right? Wanting something that's not mine instead of just owning who I am. That's the same goes for our bodies. Sometimes we have to step away from all this knowledge and just know that, hey, maybe our body knows best and maybe this is the simple way. So how do you tell if you're overly hydrated and what does this do to your metabolism? So one of the best ways to tell if you're overhydrated is the color of your urine. Now, it's once been believed that having clear urine is the ultimate way to go. That's when you are perfectly hydrated. But here's the reality. When our urine is nearly clear or even very pale in color, this is when we consider this overly hydrated. It's when the electrolytes in our body and fluid is diluted out to the point where it's not having the impact that it needs to. The color of your urine is simply electrolytes coming together to create that. It's concentrated, right? So we don't want to have overly concentrate urine, like a very dark, almost brownish color. That would be our dehydrated state, where we have more fluids flushing out than we do water. The other end of the spectrum is having no color. So it's so dilute that you can't even see the things that are coming out. So we want to have a nice, yellow color of your urine and that means it's in the proper concentration for your body. So let's take this. Picture your body filling with nutritious, high-octane, electrically charged fluid. Things work better. Your cells have the ability to produce more energy at the cellular level, which corresponds to a high metabolism. There's an author called Matt Stone, and he wrote the book Eat for Heat, and he's very, very big into this hydration myth. And he explains, it's all about increasing nutrients, the electrolytes, including sodium, in our body fluids. If we drink too much water, we decrease those nutrients and prevent ourselves from working optimally. Waterlogged cells are not happy cells. The bottom line on overhydration is that it diminishes optimal performance of your body systems instead of improving them, and that's because overhydration inhibits metabolism. So how does it do this? How does it inhibit metabolism? Well, here's the reality. When your cells are filled with too much water, your cells become too flooded to produce energy the way that they're supposed to. The electrolytes and glucose are the cell's source of energy, kind of like batteries for your mitochondria. So when this happens, your cellular metabolism or the process of taking fuel in and producing energy is basically non-existent. This can trigger a stress response with your body overproducing hormones like adrenaline and just generally causing your body to freak out on the inside without you even realizing it. So because our cells aren't getting enough of what they need to produce energy, your body will try to conserve as much energy as it can. Do you see where this is going? Once we start conserving energy, one of the first things that we can do to accomplish this is to reduce circulation because it wants to keep blood flow closer to the vital organs instead of your hands and feet, which is why they get cold. 
So feeling cold hands and feet is a good sign that your stress response is being activated and damaging cascade of stress hormones has begun to flow. This in your body is a lowering of metabolism. This is a lowering of energy production and puts you into a conservation mode, which when we conserve energy, that's direct correlation to conserving body fat stores or even building body fat stores because body fat is a measure of energy. Think of a low metabolism as being thrifty with your energy stores. When this happens chronologically, such as in the case with people who have the urge to chug tons of water day in and day out, it becomes more difficult for your cells to hold on to the salts and sugars they need to work. It gets increasingly easier to become water intoxicated and the more your metabolism continues to decline. Drinking too much water day in and day out perpetrates this cycle and leads to all the problems associated with a lower metabolism. And it can so easily be prevented by just managing your water intake to drinking when you're thirsty. So again, just to clarify that, the more water we drink, the more water clogged we become, the more our body releases adrenaline in the stress response to being water clogged, and that stress response signals to your body to start conserving, to start conserving energy, to conserve body fat stores, to basically slow its functions down to protect the vital organs. And so our metabolism almost ceases or slows to the point where we wonder and we question what we're doing wrong when, quote unquote, we're doing everything we've been told to do. So if you feel like a person who does everything right, you count calories, you don't eat carbohydrates, you drink the adequate amount of water you're supposed to, you exercise every day, and yet you don't see results, take it from this. Maybe what you've been taught to believe this everything right is actually everything wrong. And a simple act of just drinking when you're thirsty, of forgetting the attachment to your water bottle and just drinking as the day goes on when thirst arises can actually be metabolically active. But here's the deal. We have to be hydrated, and hydrated is different than just plain water. So what's the problem with plain water? Well, the Weston A. Price Foundation actually advises against drinking too much plain water for this reason. Sally Farron says, of lacto-fermented beverages, both soft drinks and alcoholic beverages, and even plain water are poor substitutes for these health-promoting beverages taken with meals. They promote thorough and easy digestion of food taken after physical labor. They give a lift by replacing lost mineral ions in a way that renews rather than depletes the body's reserves. So the problem with plain water is that it doesn't really have any hydrating effects to it. Remember, we need sodium and glucose in order for the water to get into the extracellular fluid and in order to get into our cells. So the problem with plain water is one, you're throwing off your electrolyte balance. Sally is right about those minerals, by the way. They're important, specifically the balance between phosphorus and sodium. Inside your cells, a balance leaning towards the phosphorus side is preferable, but outside of your cells in the extracellular fluid, this is where you want the scale to tip towards sodium. Healthy, normal extracellular fluid likes to say what is called an isotonic solution. That means it's about 9 grams of salt per liter of water. 
Again, just like if you walked into the ER, they wouldn't provide an IV of straight H2O. This could in fact kill you. What they're providing you is an isotonic solution that provides hydration while maintaining a healthy electrolyte balance. And a healthy electrolyte balance is the key for true hydration, not just water intake. What's interesting is that in nature, this is done, right? When we think outside the box and we stop thinking about water as the sole means of hydration, it actually becomes quite clear that the better food you eat, the more real foods you eat, the more water you obtain from those foods. And when you look at water found in nature, there's always minerals, there's always electrolytes found within that. So think of our our citrus foods, our cucumbers, things that are really highly dense in water made up of almost all water. We can see a great amount of those nutrients that hydrate our body, that allow that water and all those nutrients to get into our cells. They're all found together. In fact, if you just eat real food, you can get up to 20 to 30% of your hydration needs from food alone. Obviously, that number greatly diminishes when you're eating a diet of mostly processed foods, but those nurturing whole real foods are actually doing a ton to help hydrate your body. Other things you're doing if you're just drinking plain water is that you're inhibiting digestion. And digestion is critical, again, for proper nutrient consumption, and this can also help with electrolyte absorption. So a good rule of thumb is that hydration should never be done during the process of eating. Now, that blows a lot of people's minds, but it's a pretty simple practice again. Most people consume 80% of their daily intake of fluids during meals, when in fact this could be the worst time to consume fluids. And the reason is, is that when you're consuming food, your body pushes all energy to breaking down those foods, so the water just simply sits in there and waits to be digested. This is where you could get that sloshy feeling in your stomach, which is a really non-scientific word, but I think you all know what I'm talking about. That sloshing in your stomach is your body just not digesting that fluid that you're taking in, and it's waiting for reasons that energy is being used elsewhere. And food digestion always becomes before liquid. On top of that, when we consume a lot of liquids with our eating, we tend to dilute our saliva and our stomach acid, which are two critical components of breakdown, of food breakdown, of digestion and metabolism. And with most people's compromised digestive tracts, this is not what we need. We want adequate amount of energy. We want adequate amounts of gastric enzymes to help our body break down the food appropriately so our small intestine doesn't take the brunt and the heat of that, taking in a bunch of toxins and whole protein molecules that are really just causing damage in the end. So to prevent that extra dilution of stomach acid and to help your food actually digest and empty on time, we need to limit how much fluids we drink with meals. Some would say less than four ounces within that 30 minutes of eating. I would say, you know, no more than a cup. It's really not the time to drink. Drinking should be done in between meals, not at a meal. Not to mention that if you suffer from acid reflux or slow digestive emptying or bloating with meals, some people could link this just to drinking too much with meals, simply diluting that stomach acid. Remember, acid reflux is not an excess of acid. It's actually not enough and not enough to break down the food and help it move through. So that feeling, that burning feeling, is not acid coming back up your esophagus. It's that undigested food that's just sitting there causing that burning sensation. 
And so some people have found relief from their acid reflux by just stop drinking with meals, just enough to sip to maybe get it to go down better, but you really shouldn't have to drink with meals. And finally, just chugging plain water because you think it's the best source for you is enabling you to miss out on a lot of nutrient-dense beverages. You see, the idea of drinking is not just to fill your stomach with non-caloric beverages to try and fill you up. That's not the idea. Remember, we need food. Hunger is a signal just like thirst is. It's telling our body we need something. We just need to know how to control it and to trust it. And so when you fill your body just on water, plain water, without any nutritional value, you're missing out on a lot of substances that are more hydrating to your cells that also provide energy. And we're going to talk about those things in a little bit. But again, like the Winston A. Price Foundation said, both soft drinks and alcoholic beverages and even plain water are poor substitutes for health-promoting beverages like kombucha and kefir and bone broth, things that provide a lot of value and help your food to break down, easing digestion in healing your GI tract. It's pretty fascinating stuff. I know. It's pretty against the grain. So let's just break it down. How much water do we need to drink? The bottom line drink when you're thirsty and no more. But that really doesn't give people what they want. I know most people want numbers. They want to know exactly what they can do. And I don't think there's anyone out there who can tell you exactly the hydration you need because it changes every single day. Whether you have an infection or it's hot outside or if you exercise, there's so many variables and factors that change your hydration needs and they can change daily. That's why our thirst mechanism is one of the strongest in our body and why we should listen for it. However, generally what you need to look for is that you're not overdoing it. So just looking at the color of your urine, obviously there's some medications and supplements that can change that color, but in general, looking for a nice yellow color. If it's too pale, you're overly hydrated or fluid intoxicated and just need to take a break or step back a little bit. The color of your urine is usually a good indicator for people's hydration status And in fact, if you're overly dehydrated, your body has some pretty great mechanisms to protect your body from that. Thirst actually begins when the concentration of blood, which is an accurate indicator of our state of hydration, has risen by about 2%. Experts generally define dehydration as beginning when the concentration has risen by at least 5%. So while thirst is a good indicator that a drink would help maintain gut hydration, it doesn't necessarily imply dehydration. But again, how much you drink is very dependent on person, what you're doing, what the temperatures and the climate is like, and of course, people with health conditions that affect their thirst, such as diabetes or kidney disease, may need more precise estimations of fluid needs on a daily basis. But again, let thirst be your guide. So what should you drink? We should drink hydrating beverages. Water alone is not a hydrating substance. Our body can't really do anything with water unless it has the proper glucose and sodium attached to that or the proper electrolytes and minerals involved in that in order for our body to actually use it and for it to be hydrating to ourselves and not just diluting to our digestive tract and diluting to our hormones and our blood flow and electrolytes in our blood flow. 
Basically, overhydration on just water alone can be damaging not only to our digestive enzymes, but to our hormonal signals or communicators of our body, kind of making everything slow down. So our hydrating beverages could be anything like squeezing some fruit like a lemon or an orange or a lime into water. It could be floating fruit or water infusions. It could be herbal teas. Kombucha is great. Kefir is great. Bone broth is excellent. Adding some collagen to that can be really healing. Again, all of these things contain electrolytes, a little bit of glucose, and a lot of minerals, which most people are deficient in their minerals. And all these things coming together help your body to utilize that and help those cells to be used for the greater good of your body and really to serve the purpose that was intended upon them. So my tips to you are just drink throughout the day. Don't ever chug water. We can only absorb so much at a time and drinking more doesn't necessarily make us more hydrated. It really boils down to drinking enough over time. And so sipping on water, when you feel thirsty, drink some, but don't chug 16, 32 ounces of water at a time. You shouldn't drink until the point where you feel sick or bloated or have that sloshy feeling. That's more than your body can handle at that time. Also, make sure you add a hydrating substance to your water. So I'm not saying again that pop or Gatorade or any of those things are the way to go. In fact, those are very dehydrating beverages. When you have excess amounts of glucose in your system, that dehydrates your system because excess glucose is toxic. So one of the ways to help your body handle excess glucose is to dilute it down with water. So in your bloodstream, all this water floods back in to make it more dilute so it's not as toxic to your body. So excess glucose or excessively sweet beverages can dehydrate you. So you want their appropriate amount and all of those beverages I gave you listed there have minute amounts of sugar, just enough to help your body to absorb it. To make it more hydrating, add some fruit to it, do infusions, squeeze lemon juice. Also, other things are to eat lots of high water content fruits and vegetables because that fiber in there and all those minerals you're getting from the fruits when you do drink plain water are going to help your body to utilize that because they're present in the body at that time. Another thing is don't be afraid to use salt. Pinching a little Himalayan sea salt in your water, especially warm water in the morning, is extremely hydrating and helps your body to detoxify. So it helps filter through and get toxins out of your body. Again, just making water more useful. Never force yourself to drink or drink past the point of comfort. Eliminate sports drinks. Sports drinks are just going to make you more thirsty. They're not going to quench your thirst. If you need a sports drink or you feel like you are dehydrated, you can make your own. I'll link one in the show notes, but essentially it's just a few minerals, maybe some magnesium salts and sodium and some honey with a little bit of fruit juice can make a really great sports drink. And remember that thirst is completely person dependent and it will change nearly every day. So my take home for you is, again, you can drink a lot of water, gallons a day, but you have to get it into your cells in order to fully be hydrated. It becomes a cellular membrane issue, not a hydration issue. And this comes down to what you're eating, choosing the right fats, and drinking the right kind of water. So our goal with health and metabolism is to help under-functioning cells become well, and that starts by drinking hydrating beverages or making sure that you have something in your fluids and you're not just chugging them, but you're being cautious about them and you're providing your body what it needs and no more. Just listen to the signals your body gives, feed it when it's hungry, drink when you're thirsty, and sleep when you're tired. These seem like miniature, minute things, 
common sense, but really it's health that most people seem to miss. And so if you don't miss those signals, what your body's crying out for, and you just listen to it, it makes health so much easier. So again, I gave you a lot of tips in the show. It's slightly controversial, maybe a little bit different, but really it just boils down to drinking when you're thirsty and making sure that you're drinking hydrating substances. I'll make sure and link all of those hydrating substances we talked about, like the bone broth, kombucha, kefir, fruit-infused waters, and that electrolyte drink in the show notes so that you can have those recipes, but it's really just knowing yourself and knowing what you need. I would say that the most important time to drink is still in the morning, and drinking warm water on an empty stomach with lemon juice in it is probably the most hydrating thing that you could do for your body exactly at the critical time when it is in the most dehydrated state that it is, and that's in the morning when you wake up. As Dr. Bruce said, you can lose almost a liter of water throughout the course of the night, and the most critical time to drink is first thing in the morning. But again, that warm property to water, not ice cold, but that warm property is actually more hydrating, and you can find that out in my bonus episode on why you should drink warm lemon water in the morning. Again, I'll link that all in the show notes. So I just want to say thanks for tuning in to yet another episode I am incredibly glad you are here, and I just hope to end the confusion and bring some light, hope, and ease back into your health, to help you embrace health like its intended purpose, to provide life and abundant energy so you don't have to obsess about your health and what you are feeding it, and instead can spend your time and energy investing into your passions of helping others and allowing you to live your best life. So the breakdown. Drink when you're thirsty and nothing more, and also don't forget those hydrating beverages. If you like what you heard and want to finally end the craziness we call health, to find a simple way, an enjoyable way, and live in a group of like-minded people, I'd love for you to join our daily email where you'll get tips, tricks, and hacks, as well as encouragement, support, and an inside look at my own health journey. To connect at a deeper level, becoming friends, and working together for a better tomorrow. It's a safe place, a free place, a place to rip free of those health chains and just live your best life. If you'd like to join me, I'd so love to have you. Just log on to simplerootswellness.com and enter your name and email address and you'll start receiving those daily updates to help you live your best life. Also, if you like what you heard in today's episode and you want to continue helping others to hear the same knowledge that you're getting, I'd love for you to leave a rating and review. These ratings and reviews help me to shape and form the show into what you want, and it opens the doors to others who don't even know about Simple Roots Radio to find out and learn more. So to leave an honest rating and review, just head on over to simplerootswellness.com slash review and leave an honest rating and review. These mean the world to me and are what make the show go round. Honestly, you guys, I haven't done any sponsors or anything like that because I just want to provide you the most knowledge and information that I can to help you live your best self. And the only way that this can be done is through those ratings and reviews. What seems like a silly, simple little thing really does make all the difference and it only takes a minute out of your day. You can only leave a rating and review once. So once you've done it, you're done for good. And I so, 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 so thank you for that. You will be rewarded. We'll be giving away some free things, some other great things to those people who have helped me out. So again, to leave a rating or review, just head on over to simplerootswellness.com slash review. 
And for all the information on today's show, make sure you head on over to the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 031 and all of the links you'll need, as well as the science behind this podcast will all be linked up in those show notes. Again, found at simplerootswellness.com slash 031. You are an amazing being. Try to let go of the past, the confusion, and just start trusting in your own remarkable and very unique body. It's one day at a time, my sweet friend. The mission is yours to take. I'll see you next week with an exciting episode with my dear friend Heidi from Foodie Crush on our new project.